It's now time for 30-something and over it. It's the home of soul searching, owning mistakes and challenges, and changing the course of direction. 30-something and over it, where you're old enough to know better and young enough to still change the game. Now, here's your host, Samantha Dennison. On this episode, we speak to Mark as he shares his personal journey with his son and how that's impacted his personal life. The changes he's made for himself, which has translated into his own changes. You're in for a treat. Mark Collins is the creator of You School, and we're going to dive deep into that as he talks about why he created it, his vision there to help young people really choose the best path for them. Now, I know a lot of you on here are parents, and I think you're really going to resonate with this story. So welcome, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's get into it, Mark. Can you tell me a little bit about your younger self? So let's go back to Mark at 25. What were you doing back then? Yeah, Mark at 25, I'd just become a father. So my son was just born when I was 25. I was still, though, a sports player. I was still doing all the things that someone at that age would do. Just generally just a normal Aussie bloke and um, you know, loved to drink, loved to socialise and, and didn't take a hell of a lot seriously. So... Yeah, probably pretty universal, especially in Australia. Um, yeah, uh, did life yeah. change after you had a baby? It was a bit of a wake-up call? Not really. Um, no? Yeah, stayed pretty pretty normal. Obviously, I mean, there's obviously going to be changes, yes, but uh, <laughs> my partner and I tried to sort of just settle back into life and we succeeded for a few years in doing that. And, uh, yeah, things obviously got a bit different uh, down the track. But, yeah, it wasn't too hectic straight away, but you have a baby for a reason. You expect some changes and... and <laughs> We were on board with all of that, so it was no dramas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I know when I had my first, it was like a cyclone went through my life. I thought I had life <laughs> together, and then I'm like, what's this no-sleep business? I don't know about this. Right. Well, there's, yeah, it's, it, with, with Max, our, uh, our sleeping patterns weren't too bad. He was a very sleepy baby, but there, we, we figured out later there was reasons for that. So, yeah. Mm. Let's go into that a little bit before we get sure. into number two. So Max was born into the world Talk to us about a little bit about Max and tell the listeners what happened there and, and then you've had this bigger aha moment in your 30s. So let's have a chat. Yeah, well, um, Max was, um, as I just mentioned, a very sleepy baby, very placid mm-hmm. baby. And we thought, wow, we've, we've sort of hit the jackpot here. We just got this perfect little baby into our lives straight away and all we've got to do is love him and, uh, and do, the, you know, do the standard things the parent the parenting stuff and be there for him and, and it's as good as gold it was no trouble but uh, as I mentioned there was there's reasons for that and he's obviously since been diagnosed uh, with epilepsy so that was probably the big thing that changed for us but also there's been other things as far as deaths in the family and I myself I had cancer when he was two um, wow. so I was only 27 at the time yeah testicular cancer and uh, chemo and all that went bold and had a bit of a rough trot there. So, That's um, a big two years. Did you find out about Max's epilepsy when he was a baby? Or no, no, that, yeah. that wasn't until he was about five years old. Wow. Okay, um, so the cancer come first. That came before that. Yeah, that put a bit of a, um, bit of a bump in the road, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably a pretty big one. But, yeah, um, it's all intertwined, really. It's really, um, you know, with the stuff I'm doing now, I, I look back on things like that and fully understand that if those things didn't happen then I might not be doing what I'm doing now so eventually obviously the the sort of um general Aussiness of a young 25 mark <laughs> left not completely still to this day I still I still love a love to have a beer with mates and whatever but it's obviously not on the same level as it was back then mm-hmm. um 
but yeah, certainly um, having having cancer and, and going through that myself. Just quickly, I, I um, had my first real experience in the power of the mind at that stage, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't really take the learning from until sort of 10 years later. But I was diagnosed, uh, it was testicular cancer, and I was diagnosed, you know, I think it was 2009 at 27. And there was a week in between of not knowing whether it had spread anywhere or not because it was quite aggressive. So, then? Like, what were yeah, you that's, Were you trying to be brave for your wife? Or, like, how, how do you deal with that news? Well, I guess it's all a bit really hazy because of the fact that I was just so stressed out with what the news was going to be um, mm. coming back. And, like, I couldn't even work at times because I was just in my hips and legs and lower back was in so much pain. I just sometimes couldn't even stand up, let alone go to work. And that was all in one week. But at the end of that week, when I got the news that it hadn't spread anywhere instantly that pain and and everything was gone from my body so that was my first wow. sort of yeah real experience with the power of the mind because i just it was all from the stress of it yeah isn't that crazy so instantly like that you got the good news and the pain went exactly yep yep the mind's a powerful thing <laughs> yes it is <laughs> so this was at 27 and that treatment went on was it for how long basically the whole year of 2009 year. that was that was that was taken up right. with that yeah so i think it was about six months worth of chemo after surgery and then it was christmas basically <laughs> <laughs> well that would have been a good christmas well, well it was yeah it was because obviously it was all behind me now and i, I had mm. a clean bill of health and uh, um i was looking forward to the next chapter so yeah it was actually a really good christmas yeah i bet you'd never take your health for granted again after that no no you mentioned then um, it was about 10 years later that you didn't, you didn't learn the lesson until 10 years later. And this is something we hear so often, Mark, that it's like <laughs> life needs to knock you on the head just a couple of times and go, you're going to learn yet? Are you going to learn yet? So what was this lesson? What happened? What was this aha moment 10 years later? Well, it was when Max had his first tonic-clonic seizure. When Max was first diagnosed with epilepsy, it was uh, absent seizures or what used to be called petty mouths. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of progressed into a more of a myoclonic uh, seizure where it's the upper limbs and facial muscles um, spasming and partial loss of awareness. Uh, and so that was probably a good four years worth or more of um, sort of staying at that level. But then all of a sudden he uh, just one day out of the blue just dropped to the ground in a full convulsive seizure. And I was obviously taken aback by that and, panicked and uh, you know I didn't know what to do and had to learn a whole new thing basically um, as far as caring for him goes and had to change things uh, altogether so that was the big moment for me but there's been there's been a few others Um, Mm -hmm. but certainly that one was probably the kicker to actually get me to start to understand the mind and the brain a bit more that would be a very scary thing to see and witness Uh, yeah not nice to see yeah one of your own children sort of twisted and contorted under a force that is completely out of anybody's control is just, yeah, pretty heartbreaking to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. So this has happened and then you've gone, okay, the mind's huge. I've got to do something about it. And I know you've gone from Western medical and alternative breakthroughs. There's a few things there. And some people that are listening, this is going to be a whole new language, but there seems to be a bit of a theme, like a driver that's kind of kept you pushing and pushing through. I mean, you've gone through some pretty massive hurdles. I mean, just going through the cancer is one thing. And then, then the child's the next. 
Talk to me about this. Well, that's why I say it was. It all seemed to be just be intertwined, um, and it all became another reason for me to believe that that everything is a lesson uh, and things happen for a reason. Because you know, that's when I sort of got onto my my own energetic journey at the same time, my own growth, whatever. You know, plenty of different ways to to name that sort of path, but. I started to get into meditation and, uh, and you know, relaxation and, and different techniques, more holistic natural therapies and things like that, just researching and stuff like that, not actually obviously practising or doing anything officially. But I got into that because of the fact that I'd had that previous experience with how the mind can create, you know, physical symptoms um, mm. and also alleviate physical symptoms. So I started to apply that to Max. And since then, we've had plenty of, people coming into our lives who have helped out and different treatment that I didn't even know existed. You know, kinesiology for one of them was uh, manipulation of the finer points of the, of the cranium, things like um, integrative reflexes that I, yeah, just stuff that you never heard of before. You don't really get told about. Yeah. And obviously just sort of followed the blindly followed the paths of the social norms as far as, you know, taking him to a doctor, taking him to the pediatrician who then takes him to the neurologist. Once we got there, we just found dead end after dead end as far as medication. Oh, that one's not working. Try this one. Okay. We'll try the next one, the next one, the next one. Nothing really did any, anything for him. So I didn't want to sit on my hands anymore and just wait for some sort of miracle. I thought I'd, uh, I'd have to be it. Was there one thing in particular that you found really worked well or? Yeah, um, CBD oil. I'd done a lot of research in that in the, even before his first tonic clonic seizure. Had a bit of knowledge about that um, and tried a few different versions as well. Not exactly legally at the time. You do what you've got to do, don't you? Do so. what you've got to do. <laughs> no. That was one. And that's, we're on a version now that's prescribed and seems to be really helping him out. He's, at the moment, he's still having very, very small, quick versions of the myoclonic seizures that he's had for quite a long time. At the same time, he's had days, um, especially after kinesiology appointments and that, he might detox a little bit and have sort of one or two bigger seizures, but then they sort of plateau again and come right back to a manageable level for his day. Generally, we used to call 40 to 50 seizures a standard day for him. Wow. So 20 was a good day. Today, 20 is a horrible day massive difference the numbers are there yeah you can't argue with the numbers and that's probably one of the big things that has helped out is is that i've been documenting these changes along the way i've put it into my own book and things like that which will come out at some point just writing things down and being able to tell exactly where we started and where we've come from and what we've done in the process just makes it easy to replicate and keep doing there's been a lot of other things happening in the middle of that as far as um energy work we've had uh, a group of people that meditate and send healing love to Max in their own way. Obviously very thankful for those people. But, mm. um, yeah, so it's taken us far and wide, that's for sure. And it all helps to make a difference, I believe. So. Oh, it does. It does. Yeah. And it, has it challenged you, I guess, to expand your own mindset and openness to these sort of things? Yeah, absolutely. Take the listeners back to when I was 25. There's absolutely no way that I would have given this a chance at all. If if some if I said to somebody I was meditating, I, I <laughs> felt like I would have been kicked out of the social group or you know never spoken to again. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it certainly opened my mind to to be able to implement changes within myself as well. Max and I have really connected, and I, I say to people all the time that Max is my greatest teacher. He 
doesn't even know, but he inspires me daily just in how he gets about his daily life. So I figured anything, if he can do what he does, then there's nothing stopping me from doing whatever the things I want to do. So my mindset has really changed because of where we've had to go and, and where we've been. Stay right there. 30 something and over it. We'll be back after this. This episode was sponsored by the Second Chance Academy. The Second Chance was born to help others have a second chance of upskilling and developing confidence to start their own dream. Type in 30 something and over it to receive 10% of all courses. We now return to 30 something and over it. Samantha Dennison chatting to Mark Collins. So, this was the whole inspiration, I'm presuming, behind U School. So U School I created because, and you're right, the inspiration behind it is my son um, because I feel that at some point he's going to need this sort of thing. So it's created for um, young people, generally 15 to 20, who are sort of at that pivot point in their life to be able to really start to transition into adulthood a lot easier. Max is obviously a big reason for that, but also I sort of just had a bit of a mini epiphany, I suppose, and I said to myself, why can't I be somebody that I wish I had back then? Somebody, yes. teenagers are not going to listen to their parents, are they? We know that. <laughs> the more you hey, push it, the I've more they push one. back. Trust me, they do not. <laughs> <laughs> so there really needs to be a place where they can learn a few different things and learn about themselves a bit more and, and really grow in confidence and, and get rid of the expectations of, you know, social expectations and get rid of all of the pressure and, mm. and just be themselves. Which is a big thing, isn't it? Because I imagine... At- that teenage years, it's such an awkward age. I find you, you're not a kid. You're not an adult. You don't really know how to be socially. You don't know who you are. And it's a bit scary. Is that a real challenge to have the teenagers open up? I mean, how do you get the cool vibe happening? So that- <laughs> <laughs> You'd think it would be. It, it yeah. sounds like a really daunting task. But to be honest, it hasn't proven so difficult as much as I thought. Um, okay. I guess that's got a lot to do with rapport. As you said, you get the cool vibe going, but whether it's cool or not, I don't really know. I'm not up with it anymore. But um, <laughs> as long as they feel like they're being listened to and they're being heard and they belong somewhere, then they generally end up in a place where they're pretty happy to share some things. And that's the whole point. I mean, we can't really go anywhere if they feel like they're not able to do it. So it hasn't been too bad. We keep it a group environment. We keep it obviously open and happy and, and positive and, and things just start to flow. So. I haven't had too much trouble with getting to open up just yet. That's awesome. <laughs> I guess it's such a vulnerable, impressionable age. And it's one yeah. of those times that I think young adults, they do need someone to talk to. And you're right, often it's not the parent. What would be some advice for people that are parents that are listening to this that they might be able to implement straight away? If they're having difficulty, say the child's always in, in the room and they're having difficulty to get them to open up or to attend to something like youth school, how do they even get that conversation happening? It's got to be done subtly, obviously. And I've completed a, a neuro-linguistic course, practitioner's course, which um, really teaches you to learn how to use your words wisely and to get the response you want. Because if you're not getting the response you want, then it's your fault, basically. If you've got to change the way you're approaching it. So to do that with teenagers, it's easy to say from when I'm talking to somebody who's not my child, I guess, but you can't go full on and say, you need to do this because as I said, they're just going to push straight back Mm. um, and just be closed off to it straight away. So it's more about just planting seeds and and sort of working it in over time, just showing them sort of little bits about what they might be doing and getting a gauge on whether they're comfortable in groups or comfortable talking online, which I 
don't like to generalise too much, but um, the general teenager is okay with talking online. They're pretty days, good they? online, aren't they? <laughs> Again, that's another reason that I figured I had to do this is because it's pretty commonly said these days that you'd hate to be a teenager in this day and age because you just don't get a break from anything. You, just, you can't switch off from things because it's always accessible and it's always right there. Instead of just going, yeah, it'd, it'd be bad to be a teenager these days, I figured I'd help them. <laughs> it's awesome. I love what you do. Do you find you need to earn their respect first? Because I know in parenting, a lot of parenting books that I read at times will say, you need to earn their respect to be able to get respect back. And sometimes as a parent, you kind of roll your eyes and go, oh, yeah, mm. sure. Yeah. Who is you told? Um, but, <laughs> so how do you do that? Tell me a bit about that. I can't go into any, anywhere and it just demand respect it's got to be earned and it doesn't matter who's of what age respect is respect and it's not tangible according to age it is what it is so you really have to as i said make them feel like they belong because otherwise you're not going to get them to open up or you're not going to get the exact truth and the exact thing that they are there for because they will just remain that little bit closed so you just got to sort of gauge and use a bit of intuition and things like that i suppose as you're doing it as long as you're happy and you can relate with stories, I find that telling them stories that they can relate to and that they can identify with or even going through at the time really helps to click that curious side of the brain into gear and um, get them to open and be honest, want to take on a few challenges, you know? Yeah, I love that tip. Great idea to talk in stories. I think that's very relatable. Yeah. I think most of us can relate to the fear of kind of being rejected or not being accepted. It's not just in your teens, dislike, unloved, all that sort of stuff. What do you say to someone out there or anyone that's listening um, that might be experiencing these sort of feelings? How do you overcome that fear, the rejection fear? Well, the first thing they need to know is that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost universal that somebody is is fearing something. It's, It's almost a given that there's reasons people don't do things or procrastinate or become lost in themselves and and whether they know people that are like that or not and if they're feeling it themselves they are definitely not alone but the probably the biggest thing and that's and again another reason why I really enjoy what I'm doing is because if you get on top of it early then it doesn't get large so to have these sort of um, mindful aware teenagers walking around what's the future going to look like for us you know once they get into adulthood and they know exactly they're aware of why they do things and they're aware of, of how to change things for themselves and to make themselves better, it's only going to impact humanity and change a generation, which was my ultimate goal. Absolutely. It's a great goal. I love it. And we're really excited to, to see the progress and get behind it all. I think it's an amazing vision. What are some of the key elements, Mark, and the goals you teach at U School? And if someone out there is listening and we want to find out more, I guess, what would they expect from doing a course with you? How do they find you? All the good stuff. Okay. Well, the first word is courage. Right. So it takes a lot of courage to admit that this is something that is going to benefit you because it's not exactly something that's taught and accepted socially, probably more so now than it ever has been, I guess. But um, you've got to have a bit of courage about you to want to do something different at that age, especially if you're the different one, you're not always the most popular one. But if you've got the courage to go and do something different, then you might just uh, come out on top. Mm, I think that's a big one. It's a big <laughs> yeah. one. Because yeah. I can't imagine saying to a teenager, we're going we're gonna to try some mindfulness today. <laughs> so they're going to be excited at the start, but when they see the results, they will be. Exactly right. Going on from that, we try and teach the importance of individuality. 
not to sort of just go with the trends and go with what's happening and things that everyone else is doing because as we all know you eventually learn that the things that everyone else does isn't always the thing for you so it's easy to as a teenager to get stuck in the same old patterns and the same trends but um who are they really for individuality is probably the, the next biggest key for us I love that. And is that sort of what you'd expect from doing a course with you at youth school, that you're getting the courage to be individually and imperfectly you, I guess? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's not to, to change who they are at the core. It's to find out who they are at the core and to be okay with it and to, and to love that and to bring it out on the world and, and just grow with it and be creative and not accept mediocrity because none of us are. We're all great. We just got to find our own greatness. Exactly. That's what we help do. So, where do they find you? Okay, yeah. So, on <laughs> Facebook, we are uschool.au is the handle to find us there. My website, www.uschool.com.au as well. Through Messenger is, has generally been the case. Way to go. Awesome. And guys, we'll pop it on the show notes as well. All Mark's social handles for youth school will be on there. So feel free to reach out and inquire. If they're wanting to do a course, are there set times or can they, is it at any time? Is it online? How does that all work? It is online and through Zoom. We now do one-on-one coaching sessions as well, not just for young adults, but for anybody. They can be booked in as well. There will be an actual adults course available which will be slightly different to the one we do now at some point very shortly. It's not set at any particular time. That'll be sort of be up to the group. So when we do get the next group going, it'll be um, whatever suits the majority and whatever we all agree on. Generally done at night time for an hour and a half or two hours. So we don't take too much of the time out of the week. It's once a week. And yeah, we get on it and have fun and, and discover a few things. It sounds awesome. I bet you a few of the all 30-something and over it's will be keen for that. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, the last question I ask everyone, what would you tell your 29-year-old self in order to prepare for life after 30? Be aware of what life is trying to teach you now because if I had have done that, as I said, after my own cancer journey, I, I probably would have been 10 years into this rather than only one so (laughs) it's such a good tip such a good tip I often say the same thing I'm like journal that down because like a week later you're gonna look at that and go oh yeah yes very important I believe to to actually record where you've been and what you've done so that you can take learnings from it and grow with it yeah absolutely Mark it's been so great to have you on I look forward to chatting to you again thanks for joining us My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to 30 Something and Over It with Samantha Dennison. Remember, keep chasing those dreams. Check out 30 Something and Over It on Facebook, Instagram and online. And remember to subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts.